Hello and welcome back to Party Pooper Podcast for Spooky October. This is part two of the special guest episode with Clayton. Um, Alicia, Alicia wasn't here for the first one, so she doesn't know Clayton's dark secret from when he was a baby. Ooh, I get to say it again. Yeah, you can tell her really quick. Tell her about okay. the characteristic sure. that you had as a as a baby. Sure. I was born with a tooth. Oh, wow. Yeah. And according to some folklore, that means I'm a vampire. That is so cool. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah. And, and then and just, and to compound, I'm pretty allergic to garlic. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, that's all. That's awesome. Yeah. I hope, <laughs> I hope the pitchforks and torches aren't coming. <laughs> we won't disclose your address or anything. Wow. Thanks. It'll be safe. That's wow. appreciated. Yeah, yeah it'll be okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So we're going to keep talking about vampires and stuff. We got a little distracted last time, but now mm. that Alethea's yeah, here. Went, oh so. yeah. Now that I'm here, we won't get distracted at all. Oh, oh. So we have a moderator. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, but I was, I was going to say you can help fill in some of the gaps because uh, I couldn't remember. I, I don't know if mm. you remember this, but when, when we watched Kronos, I was pretty high. And I kind of missed out on a lot of that movie. Um, And yeah, we watched some other movies we already talked about um, from Dust Till Dawn. Um, But I thought we could, we could keep talking about the uh, powers and weaknesses of vampires. Um, Clayton and I both recently watched this movie called uh, uh, Vampires versus the Bronx on Netflix. And we did say that we weren't Mm going to give, too many spoilers or anything, but I thought it was funny that, uh, the main concept is that there's like gentrification happening in the Bronx and there's like a bunch of like hoity toity white people moving in and buying up the property. Mm -hmm. And it becomes immediately evident that those people are vampires. And so yeah, I watched this afternoon and, Mm. uh, it was pretty cheesy, but it was interesting Mm. though. Um, and it was funny because it was like this gentrification story, but about, not just hoity-toity white people, but mm. people that happen to be vampires. And part of the gentrification was all these uh, shops and stuff were being bought up around the town and yeah. uh, they were being replaced with like super ridiculous things. Spoon-sized butter. <laughs> yeah, they had like craft, uh, craft small batch butter. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I remember there was like this hot dog stand and then all of a sudden this food truck rolls up and it just said ice cream right. and vegan ice cream on it. Right. And that was That's like good, the good catch. That was like the gentrification moving That's in. And um, yeah, yep. there was like, and even, yeah, there was like a really it, fancy broke uh, old school style furniture store. And mm. yeah, just a bunch of like weird hipster things that were moving in and that's how they were disguising moving into town or whatever. That's funny. Mm-hmm. I bet and you'd like that movie cool. attack the block that, that, that you guys really need to check that out. Oh, I've seen attack the block. Oh, you have. I, I'm oh, pretty sure I have. I, I think I did back in the day. It sounds, oh, okay. it sounds familiar, but that's about yeah. aliens though. Yeah. Okay. But it's still, it's cool, but it's um, also a, a story about like classism and stuff too. Oh, sorry. Uh, okay. I, uh, I was outside. <laughs> I, I keep doing oh. that. I don't know why. <laughs> it's hard to sit still. So, Alethea, uh, instead of having a drink, 
decided to. Phil's got to go call me out again. <laughs> to partake, <laughs> partake in Beelzebub's kale. Oh boy, which is the new word we have for <laughs> the devil's lettuce. Goodness, yeah. let's get it out there. He's doing some homework. <laughs> Satan spinach. <laughs> Satan spinach. Yeah. Uh, uh, Lucifer's chard. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, mm. Did you want to talk a bit more about uh, Vampires versus the Bronx? Sure. Yeah. What do you, uh, mm. what do you have? Well, I, I was, I was really uh, tickled to find out that the name of the company that's buying up all of these properties, Murnau, uh, the director of the original Nosferatu from 1922, I believe, is Franz Murnau. Oh. So it's just like, mm. ah, there you go. When it first popped cool. up, I was trying to like see if it was um, like backwards or if the letters mixed up to do something. And I was like, eh, I don't, oh, I don't see yeah. the connection here. But now that you've said that, that makes a lot of sense. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. These little Easter eggs are really fun to catch. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was I thought it was a really really great film. It, it definitely knows itself, so that's like the cheesy aspect. But I mean, like uh, it definitely has elements of both a coming of age film because it's told from the perspective of pre adolescent boys, um, and two boys are black and one is Hispanic, I believe. Yep. Uh, and um, so it's a coming of age, but it also has elements of black exploitation. You know, kind of like this community is basically coming back in like a superhero form to like uh, um, fight back against a force that's trying to uh, trying to hurt people and destroy a neighborhood. So yeah, whether it's I think like, from within their own community in the form of criminals or whether it's in the yeah. form of vampires or whether it's, you know, pr- uh, predatory real estate agents. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think that I thought it was a great premise, you know, the allegory of, uh, of gentrification is just like perfect for this this day and time and i also think that the movie is really well done i thought the acting was great cinematography is, it, is really interesting isn't is it in like an indie are it's, there mm, are there any an, it's a netflix production yeah it's huh. on netflix there, there were some people on there yeah. that i that you recognized? recognized and i also like that um yeah. aside from the vampires the cast was predominantly black which was really cool it was mm. a you know Oh yeah. It's not like they had like token black people or anything. It was just, it was just straight up their story and that was it. Yeah. I, I think, I think one of my favorite lines was, yo, that was mad vague dog. Yeah. <laughs> I love that dude. So I, great. I recognize that guy. Uh, I don't, uh, it's too bad. Alethea hasn't seen it cause she would know. Cause she's I'll better with, with check it people. Out. Like, I guess it's relatively uh, new. So yeah. I didn't, I didn't, yeah, it came out yet. last but week. Yeah, that dude that's on the street and he's always like calling out stuff, or like when that guy gets yeah. shot down by the girl and he's like, Yeah, three strikes and stuff. And yeah, that guy was awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I like that awesome. even the cops were black, both of them. Like there was two cops mm-hmm. that pick up the kids or whatever, and even both of those mm-hmm. cops were black. It was awesome. So, yeah, and it also sort of shows you that people of your own um, culture can quote unquote turn against you given certain factors that are involved, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like important to understand all those, all those dynamics too. Yeah. Gentrification is such a complex and tricky thing, but yeah. So I watched it with a bit more of a serious lens, but I can also see how it's, uh, how it looks cheesy and yeah. Well, for me, Just it was a comedy. Like it wasn't, uh, I didn't watch it too seriously. It was, 
Mm. You know, cause the, also like, even though the makeup was good and you know, there's one, there's that one point where uh, a vampire is flying and it looked kind of lame, but like other than that, like oh, yeah. the special effects yeah. weren't super lame or anything, but like, mm-hmm. um, it just like the way that they, um, acted it out. Like, even though the makeup was good, it was, mm-hmm. it's, it wasn't filmed in a sense of being like a horror or being like ultimately like mm. being super scary. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Yeah. It's not yeah. like, like we were talking about, uh, we're watching Dracula on the the TV show on yeah. Netflix. Yeah. And that one has a lot of moments where like people are jumping out and spooking you. And but like, I find that that makeup for that one, I find kind of cheesy a little bit like for the monster. It's pretty classic. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like Bella Lugosi kind of classic. Yeah, but it, it works with the the acting is really good. So I find like yeah, but it's more serious mm-hmm. and it's yeah. more like dramatic and stuff. In the yeah, yeah, yeah. in the in this movie, uh, yeah. Vampires versus the Bronx, it's more like lighthearted and okay. like not mm-hmm. as dramatic. Oh, and I find it's I, like I, I was kids finding, going in and I was finding Dracula <laughs> like funny, but like dark dark mm-hmm. humor. I mean, just the oh yeah, just the um, the nun right. Oh, whole, she's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The, that yeah. whole thing was yeah. like very witty, and I don't know. I liked it mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah, exactly. But it's not like a, a coming of age comedy. No, 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 uh, no. Like a witty, Fair. dramatic. Uh, yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she's amazing, and uh, a lot mm-hmm. of the acting in Dracula, the show, is super good. Clayton's seen the oh, third totally. episode, so we have to catch yeah. up. But yeah. yeah. So what's the deal with that? Is it? Is that it? Is it like a mini series with only three episodes or is it kind of like it's not it's one of those things where like, oh, they had to stop production and. Uh, like no, they were able to do on. what they wanted to do in three episodes. It's kind of it's it's made by some of the same people that did Sherlock on BBC with Benedict oh, okay. Cumberbatch. Yeah. So uh, it's kind of like that formula, right? They uh, have like three really awesome hour and a half episodes and some of them are like uh, telling one longer tale or they're kind of inclusive. Um yeah, it's that kind of format. One that I yeah. didn't rewatch, but I definitely had on my list of uh, favorite vampire movies of all time was Underworld. Yeah, we didn't mm-hmm. watch that yet. And the thing is, mm-hmm. there's so many subsequent follow-up movies to Underworld. <laughs> I haven't even seen them yeah, all. Like, I lost track yeah, of like which ones well, I had Blade. seen. Or, there's like a bunch of Blades, too. But at least yeah. they're called Blade 1, 2, and 3. Oh, yeah, you know? I guess. <laughs> yeah, Un- Underworld, there's four of them, and they're all on at least Canadian Netflix. And, uh, like for me, like when you, when you say underworld, of course, there's the, um, the main protagonist, I can't remember the name of the actor slash actress, Scott Speedman. Kate Beckinsale. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And okay. Scott Speedman. And then of course, Bill Nye, who plays like the main vampire. Yeah. He's awesome. Yeah. But it's funny though, because after seeing him in love, actually, it's like, I, I don't remember which one I saw first, but like now, whenever I see Bill Knight, I always see the love actually like the weird washed up wedding, uh, Christmas singer guy. Oh, I've never seen love actually, but now you're making me want to. So like in, in love actually, he plays like kind of like a, a washed up one hit wonder, uh, Christmas singer. And he had like this one super big hit Christmas song. And then he's like super, like he's just super drunk all the time and lonely and like, he ends up like realizes that his manager is like his only friend and you know, it's like, uh, it's like this really weird character. And now when I uh, see him, 
as like a vampire lord or whatever, mm -hmm. I also in the back mm -hmm. of my mind have like the stupid Christmas singer guy <laughs> in my head too. So it's hard to take him seriously now. Oh, um, man. But yeah, you should definitely watch Love Actually. That's a, an excellent Christmas movie. Okay. All right. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Underworld I really liked because they um, like talking about uh, vampire powers and weaknesses and stuff, they go a mm. little bit further from the folklore aspect and they go more into like genetics and stuff. And they bring, right. they're looking at vampires from like more of a modern take and they have like high tech weaponry and they've developed like special bullets and things. Mm -hmm. And they're looking UV at bullets. Yeah. And, and looking at like the, the genetics of it and like the blood hybrids and, and mm -hmm. looking at it kind of like a disease almost, um, which I found kind of an interesting take. And, mm -hmm. um, on yeah. that, on that note, I also watched ultraviolet, which isn't really, oh, yeah. um, normally pictured as a vampire movie, but when I was doing my vampire movie search, it came up and then I realized, hmm. oh yeah, it was kind of about vampires. Um, because it's about like this uh, bloodborne disease and how they need to like consume uh, blood and also how it's like a transmitted thing where they, the guy did have vampire fangs and stuff, but it wasn't mm -hmm. like, it wasn't like all up in your face vampire stuff. It was vampire mm. kind of in the background and that kind of made it interesting. And I, I kind of liked it, huh. but that being said, it was another movie where, I had this memory of like really liking it. And then when I went and rewatched uh -huh. it, I was like, Oh, it was kind of cheesy though. But, um, oh, yeah. it was still kind of good though. Oh man. Yeah. In, in the same vein, when I rewatched, uh, Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula, uh, with Gary Oldman, Winona Ryder and Keanu Reeves, uh, yesterday, I'm like, Oh yeah, it doesn't hold up too too <laughs> oh, great in really? some cases oh no in i haven't rewatched it yet and and i just remember that as being so beautiful like just a beautiful movie oh. it, it is very very beautiful but some of the dialogue is kind of too on the nose i find yeah uh, um well keanu reeves uh, is in it i mean no shade keanu <laughs> i'm sorry he's like i love him but he is as a serious dramatic actor at that point I've seen him since in movies where he can show up, but at that point I wasn't buying it. It really still sounded sure. like, uh, uh, was he Ted, right? He Ted? Yeah. In Bill and Ted. Or, yeah. I mean, in, or, I'm not sure actually. But yeah. like, I hear that when I hear he opens oh, his mouth. Oh, right? I see. So it's like he was typecast for you kind of thing. Yeah, for a bit. But I mean, mm. since he's done, um, oh, what's that one? Uh, Come on, all the ones that, that he's in there where he... he John Matrix? Wick? John Wick, yeah. Oh. Since he's done yeah. John Wick, I've, mm -hmm. I don't see that anymore. Like, I kind of can see him as a more serious thing. And plus, he's done, like, romantic mm. comedies. Like, he did that one. House with, on the Lake? Uh, no. Uh, yuck. Oh. No, the one, um, the <laughs> wedding one with... Uh, with Winona Ryder in it where they both go to the oh, wedding. And um, I just loved that. I thought it was so nice to see them like back and together on the screen. And I just thought it was cool. Oh, oh yeah. And uh, what was the, what was the comedy he was in? And he played, um, he played himself. Didn't yeah. He? Uh, what was that? That was funny. I like that a lot. I don't remember, but I, I remember him playing himself and he was just so awesome. And there yeah. was like another guy in like mm. the main one of the main characters of the movie he was like yeah. so intimidated and emasculated by him yeah. and it it was like right. Keanu Reeves was just I being so nice and so awesome and it just frustrated the shit out of this other dude or whatever 
I remember um, seeing the trailer for that. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, like Alethea's favorite actor is Nicolas Cage, and my favorite actor not, is Keanu oh. Reeves. He's not my favorite. You, I just really, really, really huh. enjoy his movies. <laughs> I don't okay. I know if I could ever pick one favorite. If she uh, had to I pick one, it favorite. would be Nick Cage. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and he's actually got a crazy movie called Jiu-Jitsu coming out in November. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I saw there's a trailer for that. Yeah. yeah. Which is about aliens, right? Or like they're using jujitsu to fight aliens. Oh my God. <laughs> and it has Jackie Chan. Is that right? I don't know. But is if it, it does, that's awesome. Chan. Oh, you know what yeah. I'd really like to see as a movie done right is The Strain. Because they have the TV oh. series, but I don't know. I I couldn't really get into it. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I, I, I did see some comments online where they were discussing uh, coffins and they were discussing uh, vampires that had to be placed in their own earth. And they were talking about crossing water because I was confused about that, too, because it yeah. seems like there's a lot of myths about it. And like even originally, mm-hmm. sunlight wasn't even part of the whole vampire mm-hmm. thing. And that mm-hmm. only came later. But then there's been this idea that a vampire can't cross uh, running water. And that mm-hmm. kind of goes back to the sense that like a vampire is unclean and uh, undead and it's like pestilence yep. and running water is seen as like the cleanest, purest water and less mm-hmm. the least contaminated water. And mm-hmm. so it's like a vampire would be diametrically opposed to running water. So they unable to like cross a river or a stream. And yeah. so um, when I see a vampire in a boat, I wonder like, in my recollection, I was thinking, like, wouldn't a vampire have to be, like, I thought a vampire had to be in its coffin in order to be transported right. across water. Mm, but, like, mm-hmm. it's always up to the author, the director, whoever is in charge of the story to determine, like, how they want to, uh, yep. you, you know, have the lens of a vampire on their or, character. Yeah. Yeah. So, they can, like, use or subvert the expectations of, uh, of the, the vampire tropes, so to speak. Yeah, um, and so I, I don't know. I haven't seen the strain, but is there? Uh, well, their take is very much that it's like a parasite, right? So, oh yeah, and and that's what I really like. It was the first time I think that I ever really um, heard that idea before, right? That whole concept that it's not just like you're born a vampire or you get mm-hmm. bitten and you turn to a vampire. Like where it all comes mm-hmm. from is an actual parasite, and I thought that okay. was really cool. So yeah, the mm. series, I only saw a couple episodes and it was pretty, pretty, you know, pretty gory, but as expected, cause it was trying to mimic like as much as possible the what was detailed in the book, mm. but it was just a little, I felt like, oh, if this was only done like with some more maybe experienced <laughs> actors, mm. it kind of just felt a little too cheesy, but maybe I just had the book built up wow. a different way in my head. I don't know, but I really like to see it in a movie. So that it wasn't, mm. you know, like so, 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 so long. Right. I think yeah. it would be easier to get into. Like, t- I oh, could totally sense. see Guillermo, Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro, Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo del Toro. I, love, I yeah. love his stuff. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. And do they have any shape-shifting? Uh, I, do they? Like turning into a wolf or a bat or is purely like the human form? And I think, I think it's like how, I don't believe there's any shape shifting other than going from like this parasite to becoming, you know, a vampire. And oh, okay. 
not like a true blood, true blood had a lot of that, that series. I don't know if you, either one of you've ever seen that, but like that was kind mm-hmm. of like a soap opera y kind of vampire tale, you know, yeah. cause you had like the dark comedy and then you had the love story on the yeah. side and, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, it was a little mm-hmm. bit cheesy, but, um, they mm-hmm. had a lot of shape shifting in that, like a lot, a lot, a lot. In true blood. Yeah. All mm-hmm. the time. Yeah. I, I like the idea of shape shifting because it, it brings around this like more creepy aspect to like they could the vampire could be watching you and like <laughs> watching you as a bat or a wolf or whatever. And like yeah. if you see one of those creatures, like I'm trying to put myself in the mindset of someone <clears throat> that lived in a time like before electricity yeah. and where you yeah. had to live like maybe an early Canadian settler or someone that lived in Europe out in the woods in a cottage or something. And you know, it's, it's dark Mm -hmm. everywhere. And like, you're out there and you see a wolf and then in your mind, you're like, maybe that wolf is a vampire, like looking at me or maybe this bat is a vampire or, and just this idea that like they're around you and looking at you, but you can't tell whether Mm -hmm. it's them or not. And it adds like this creepy factor. Mm -hmm. And I think, totally. When I put myself in that mindset of being like in the woods in a small town with like a fireplace and whatever, I think I've been thinking about this whole uh, that you have to invite a vampire in. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't know that. Like, I think I, it really makes me feel like that's just something that people would say to make themselves feel better to like give themselves some control over the situation but oh, like, that's fascinating. It's yeah. an interesting Where does that come from. Yeah. It's an interesting thing. And I'm, I'm just wondering like what, mm-hmm. what is the, like what's the rational explanation for why a vampire do, couldn't come in? Do they address that in the lost boys? I know there's a whole thing with that. Mm-hmm. He can't come in Unless because he wasn't invited, but I'm trying to think if they actually say why. Cause I, I, I kind of like the idea that it's just so chilling that we don't know. It's just yeah. a rule and yeah. that we're so happy to know it. Yeah. You know, know, what I really liked about the Dracula series actually was that they kind of explained like why he or why they, the vampires would not be afraid, but kind of, you know, recoil from the cross. I thought that was Mm -hmm. really cool. Yeah, but we don't know if that's actually true or not. Like the way he explains it. Because then the nun steps in and she basically says, oh, like. I don't think, I don't think this would be a spoiler to the story as a whole, if we just tell people, but basically the idea was that because, um, actually we didn't discuss this yet, but the idea that like a vampire can absorb, uh, memories, uh, abilities, skill, knowledge from people by drinking their blood. Uh, and in some cases, even by like smelling them or like peering into their soul, it's kind of like, it's kind of like how two dogs smell each other, right? Smelling and they their get essence. The, yeah, they, they get the essence, so but they don't um, get the whole complete. Yeah. And sometimes there's telepathy involved. Sometimes there's like a an eye staring into the eyes. Yes, it's. Can create a connection. Char- I think it was called charming. Uh-huh. And so, um, so he has this whole idea of uh, being able to absorb not only their like life force and whatever, but also like their memories and, mm-hmm. and things. And mm-hmm. so you could potentially like learn things about someone, um, by yep. drinking their blood. And then he was saying how by drinking the blood of so many Christians and Christian, uh, just the indoctrination of being fearful of God and, uh, being, you know, to be smited by God and like following these rules and like having this, 
like uh, this structure, the organization of the church looming over you and like r- ruling over your life and scaring, mm-hmm. scaring you in a spiritual sense uh, because mm-hmm. he absorbed so much of uh, Christian people that that uh, passed on to him as a fear of the cross because of just mm-hmm. as a byproduct mm-hmm. of the fears mm-hmm. of the people that he consumed. That was an really interesting. Yeah. But mm-hmm. then he, he refutes that. So then it's like, well, yep. no, he says that. And then the, the nun oh, refutes yeah, the, that. Yeah. And so yeah, then it's yeah, like, yeah. well, so what's true or not true. But even if that's not true, it was a really interesting idea. And yeah. I don't think yeah. any mm-hmm. of us had thought of, thought of that before. And that was an interesting thing. So here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bring it up. Oh, even okay. It's kind of maybe, uh, I don't want to say like, it's, it's like a blasphemy to vampire, vampire, uh, genre but twilight (laughs) oh no have you read or seen twilight yeah no you haven't seen twilight no it's so i liked it very very (laughs) like after school special um (laughs) vampire story you know but yeah i could see the i can see the appeal to it i actually really enjoyed the books um and i thought the first twilight was you know it was young adult you know audience (laughs) but it was still a decent movie and Mm. didn't matter if the other ones were like cheesy or whatever it's like once you're invested in the you have to fill it fall follow all the all the trilogy like just like with the star wars right (laughs) not all amazing (laughs) so but you still gotta watch them i didn't think of this till just now but that's interesting Uh because in twilight you have vampires versus werewolves yeah well sort of they kind of work together eventually right uh i, I don't remember but um but <laughs> the well, idea is that like do, anyway <laughs> but you also have this myth of vampires being able to turn shapeshift into wolves mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. it's kind of you know you have shapeshifting involved and i wonder if the origins of werewolves and vampires are connected or if it's just somehow all jumbled in what i would call the vast monster scape ah. of like the brothers Grimm and like the standardization of it's oh. the uh, mariachi uh, band in the back <laughs> yeah nice right so on cue Memphis is upset and he's attacking uh, his toys sorry about that oh that's uh, not but yeah like we we have like yeah. uh, once you know the printing press and books and mm-hmm. plays and mm-hmm. culture is spreading through you know, traveling to distant lands and whatever. And yeah. we started to see the very first inklings of globalization and a connected world and whatever. And then now you have like these myths that are perpetuating across the world. And when you have something in a book, it becomes like a standard, you know, mm-hmm. especially in sure. the earlier book times when there weren't, you know, billions or trillions of books, but there were like thousands of books, mm. you know? Well, so- the thing is, it was like, also like propped up by the fact that we didn't understand things scientifically mm-hmm. hundreds of years ago. And I, I was reading just before uh, getting, getting on here with you, Phil, like uh, there's someone who, uh, who has a book that's specifically talking about Medusa and vampires. And like, for instance, there was uh, there was a rumor where they had to basically dig up a body and uh, put a stake through the heart. And when they put the stake through the heart, the corpse screamed. Mm-hmm. But that's because there was a buildup of gas in the bloated tissues. Oh. And some of it escaped through the vocal folds. Right. 
That's so if super, you don't know what's going on, it's but yeah, like, that's oh, super yeah. creepy. Yeah. Isn't that creepy? Yeah. 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 It also might explain why they went with, um, bushy skin and dust till dawn. Maybe there's like some kind of, uh, myth about the vampires having, bushy skin because like maybe the body's already oh. started to break down and then yeah, yeah. they find them in the coffin and then end them or well, whatever. Even, even the idea of the vampires having elongated nails, it's just because yeah. your nails don't keep growing when you die, but your skin kind of peels back. So it makes your nails look longer. Right. Yeah. I didn't think yeah. of that. And, and also Same it changes your, yeah, 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 I was yeah, going to yeah, say your facial expression and yeah. makes it like more feral looking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And creepy. <laughs> so where do you think this whole idea of shimmer comes from? Uh, like in Twilight? This is outside of my knowledge. Yeah. 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 Like in Twilight, like I, I've tried to understand where that came from to make it so that their skin shimmers. Well, first of all, way back, they, they weren't actually harmed by sunlight. So that was a myth that mm-hmm. came later on in vampire lore. And so maybe they were trying to work off of that and say that like sunlight wasn't necessarily harmful, but there was a reason why they had to stick to the shadows or mm-hmm. avoid sunlight because it would give them away or something. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. you said, I mean, it was kind of a, like a, teenager yeah. love story thing whatever so maybe it was just uh i guess a yeah cute thing to do yeah. Huh. yeah it could be just a way to differentiate itself um, but also to make it less creepy yeah speaking of science though um mm-hmm. you recently told me uh clayton you really recently told me something about vampire bats yeah, I was riding along in the car one day, and I'm going to get some notes here, and uh, I just happened to listen to an interview. Uh, they had this guy named Dan Riskin. He has a PhD in vampire bats. Wow. And so apparently you can have such a thing. And uh, he basically wanted to see how vampire bats can run, or sorry, can walk. And so... Um, he hooked them up to uh, to a treadmill, hopefully nice and ethically. Um, hopefully, hopefully, yeah. I wonder and if he like, gave him like little little bat sweatbands, running and shoes, like little little bat running I, shorts. I don't think so. I, I I hope so. I hope they each had their own podcast to listen to. Okay. <laughs> uh, so so yeah, he hooked them up to the treadmill, and then he increased the speed. And then all of a sudden, at a certain speed, they started to run, which uses a whole other part of their physiology. So this is something that science didn't know before. Um, Vampire bats can actually run. They're just basically like never given that chance in nature because it's better to fly. But yeah, they can run if they're they're sort of forced into that situation. (laughs) Yeah. So if you see a vampire bat on the ground, don't have any misconceptions about (laughs) your safety. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And even just like imagining it in my mind, I'm like, man, that's so creepy. Like bats. Well, I'm trying to figure out how it would work with their arms. Like what's happening? Oh, Are their wings going in and them, out and in and oh, holding them above holding them their above. head, maybe and like. Eh. Oh yeah. Oh god, I hadn't yeah, thought about kind that. Kind of zombie-ish, yeah. right? Like zombies. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Because I think I think you know bats are pretty cool creatures, but they're also like mm-hmm. just oh, inexorably and then, creepy. And then if they started <laughs> running a lot, right, and their arms were always up like that, they'd get super jacked. So they'd have these really jacked out wings. Can you imagine? That'd be crazy. <laughs> Yeah, and then they would be too jacked to fly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then they're forced to run the rest and, of their lives. And we'd be like, "Do you even do legs, bro?" <laughs> oh man. <laughs> oh, sorry, vampire bats. We just Gotta totally that, took you down a few pegs. Gonna get that protein. Hey, yeah. have you guys watched? Gonna um, get that hemoglobin. Uh, the only lovers left alive. I think it's called. Yes, it's only so, lovers left alive. Yeah, I haven't. It's a very. You it's you'd oh. actually probably like it because it's actually sad. Yeah, is it about vampires? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. it's by filmmaker Jim Jarmusch. I believe he wrote it and directed it, starring Tilda Swinton and Tom Hiddleston and oh, John Hurt. Tilda Swinton. Oh, yeah, yeah I like her Tilda too. Swinton. And, and it's not yeah. like a cheesy love story at all. It's very oh, human. It's, Oh uh, yeah, you know you can really yeah. relate to it. Totally. It's good when the writing when the writing is good. That's an excellent yeah. start, and then it's up to the actors to take it the rest of the way. But like sometimes you have uh-huh. pretty decent actors, but the plot to begin with wasn't super good. Mm-hmm. So that sounds like it's got good bones. Yeah, yeah, no, it's really good, good. bones. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And the thing is, is that usually the idea of vampires being aristocratic and uh, kind of embracing their hierarchy and ruling over a population Mm -hmm. these vampires are like sort of seasoned and wise so they've collected a lot of culture um, yeah in the clothes they wear in the instruments and the music they make and what they appreciate um but also in the wisdom in which they see the human race and its its fallacies and the cycles and all that they have this wonderful detached um very wise position Mm -hmm. um which is really refreshing to see yeah. yeah, that's not something I've seen represented elsewhere. It's usually yeah. just yeah. I've never, I've never seen yeah, anything like that. Very shallow, mm-hmm. evil, you know, villains that no, aren't totally coming not. from a place of wisdom, you know, at all. Mm-hmm. Really, yeah, yeah. And actually, they actually um, they no longer like chase down human beings to drink their blood. Um, and it's not just because they want to be civilized; it's because there's so many bloodborne illnesses in modern society. Oh. So they have to find their blood from hospitals. So is that what they do? They raid the blood bank? No, they don't raid the blood bank. They basically pay off a doctor to give them blood every, you know, week or month. Oh. So and, uh, from blood donations? Uh, yeah, basically, you know, the, the blood supply that a hospital has for emergencies. Nice. Yeah. I wonder and- if... <laughs> I wonder if you got to that point, you'd be like talking about blood types like vintages or talking about blood from different types of people or different lifestyles of people like vintages and stuff. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, I got a really good. Actually, um, yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Okay. Like, for instance, uh, um, Tom Hiddleston's character is named Adam and Tilda Swinson's character is named Eve. That's nice and easy. Uh, He likes type, type O negative blood. And uh, Tilda Swinton's character, uh, if you want to go ahead, Alethea, like what characterizes her blood is that. Oh, God, I don't know. It's been a, it's honestly it's been a while since I, I haven't watched oh, it. So I'm just, I'm I'm just like to totally listening, listening to you going, oh, yeah, I remember that. now. Oh, OK, OK. Well, basically, she says she gets this this good stuff from the French doctor. Oh, 
So that's the way they qualify. Like it's the good stuff. Uh-huh. And it's from a French doctor, just like a French wine. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, so that's cool. Sweet. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's yeah, weird. We now. Re- I really want to rewatch it. I just I just remember thinking that uh, it was just such a different spin on the whole thing. You really felt oh, yeah. for them and it was just uh-huh. so sad. And then I was it's, like, I hate it because it was sad and I hate sad stuff. And then oh, yeah, I know, but now I, I go know. back and watch it. It's this beautiful, tragic love story. Uh, that yeah. kind of goes haywire at one point and yeah, it's definitely a highly recommended watch. Jim, Jim Jarmuch is a wonderful, wonderful filmmaker. So that was only lovers left alive. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And then complete yeah. opposite spectrum when it comes to like, you know, feeling all kind of like sad and like thinking about a lot of stuff, you go right back the opposite end and it's just silly. And that's, uh, what we do in the shadows. Yeah, it's so funny. Yeah, it's like they've yep. totally made them out to be almost rock star status. Really, <laughs> I haven't seen it. It's funny. Oh, you haven't it's, seen it? Oh, that, don't worry about spoilers though. Like, please go ahead. Like, it's if you oh, like, okay. it's kind of Monty Python esque a little bit. The way it kind mm-hmm. of okay, I like um, that pokes fun yeah. at stuff. You know, it's just totally where where does it where does it take place in the world? Like, is it a well, it's it's, a, it's or like a British or no, yeah, it's British. It's yeah. British, so the humor is just very like uh, kind of like told in deadpan kind of thing. Okay, yeah. Um, so th- in in that way, it's kind of Mon- Monty Python. You really just get into the characters. Basically, it's uh, a film crew is allowed to film the lives of this group of vampires who have existed for many centuries, some longer than others, uh, and basically see what life is like in their flat. Like cribs, <laughs> kind of like a vampiric cribs, you know? <laughs> exactly, cool. yeah. That's cool. I and, like there's that. Like, yeah. and there's like silly things like someone who's supposed to do the dishes, but they haven't done it in four months. And so you see the dishes have piled up. And, just, <laughs> and there's and like once uh, one of the guys, like he has a friend over or something. I, I'm trying to remember exactly what happens. But anyways, he doesn't he he doesn't have him over there to kill him. But then I think he ends up accidentally killing him or something like that. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. There is something like that. And uh, one of the greatest reveals I find is when you meet Peter, the 800 year old Nosferatu type vampire. <laughs> okay. And when I first saw him being revealed, like I was genuinely afraid. I'm like, oh, God, do I want to watch this movie right now? <laughs> Um, but yeah, Peter's great because he doesn't say many words and, uh, it's just cool to have the different kinds of vampires represented. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) What what do you mean when you say like, so there's like a Nosferatu style and then there's like, what, what are the other types of vampires? I say Nosferatu because you have exaggerated ears, facial features, Uh uh, pale skin, bald, and the, the teeth, uh, the fangs are basically over the two, the, your two front teeth. Okay. Instead of being over your canines. Oh, oh. Yeah, like think about think about the like how the picture of a vampire has evolved, you know, and right. the very old mm-hmm. fashioned ones over to the modern ones, and they kind of did that with their characters. Yeah. Cool. Oh, okay. So then there's like more modern style mm-hmm. uh, vampires being represented. That's why I said these guys almost seem like a bit of a like a rock band that they're oh, following yeah. because of the way they just they they dress and. And all the antics they get into. Yeah, and, yeah. Know. Yeah. But cool. it, it's it's one it's wonderful because what one of the actors, and I think one of the writers is uh Taika Waititi, who uh who's known for um uh the recent Hitler movie. Uh what is it called again? Uh it's 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 a it's a comedy, you know, apparently we can still make oh, Hitler um, movies. <laughs> uh 
is that, is that the, uh, the one that's like a show, uh, like Hitler in the fall or something or, uh, Hitler does uh, Broadway or, or I don't know. No, 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 no. You're talking about the producers. Yeah. You're talking about the producers. No, Taika Waititi is more of a recent filmmaker and actor. Mm. Um, the the movie in question is basically uh, Hitler is an imaginary character in the mind of a little German boy. And oh, is yeah. It's also starring. I haven't seen that, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's supposed to be really good. I, I'm still thinking like, oh wow, we're still making funny Hitler Nazi movies, movies and yeah. It's, <laughs> It's like, I, I don't know, I don't know what to feel about that, but anyway, uh, but Taika Watiti also directed, um, the most successful Thor movie, Ragnarok. Oh. Right. Which was really funny. Yeah. It's so good. It's so I like good. that it was more of a comedy movie than like a serious Marvel movie or mm-hmm. whatever. It was yeah, pretty good. totally. Just completely reinvented the Thor character. It's nice it's that they didn't take themselves too seriously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I wanted to ask you guys, uh, like, when was the first time that you encountered a vampire in media or in, like, a book um, or a story? Uh, like, I, I clearly remember the first instances that I, as a young kid, you know, I'm like, oh, what is this? But what was it like for you guys? Do you remember the first time that you encountered a vampire or Dracula? I I think I remember it being from a, like a show or a movie. And it was like, I wouldn't say necessarily an adult movie, okay. but it was like, I don't know if you ever look back at some of those movies back in the like late seventies, early eighties, they uh, were pretty explicit in the stuff they showed. This is where they started really clamping down on ratings and stuff like that. Sure, yeah. So that kind about of, like- grindhouse and exploitation films kind of yeah yeah Mm. and i just remember it being like really sexual in the sense that not that you'd actually see them doing anything but that dracula Mm -hmm. was like just hitting on all these chicks and taking them away and they were completely taken in by him and mind controlled Mm -hmm. by him and it it, just very sexual overtones throughout the whole thing so it wasn't Mm -hmm. even like a it, it would scare be scary when they would show him like actually biting them but sure also not scary i don't know how to explain it so i didn't have like a uh, a huge fear of it okay. i just thought it, it seemed more i don't know if charming is the right word but definitely interesting sure yeah. i don't know if i remember i i read a lot of fantasy books when i was a kid but there wasn't like a lot of vampires in them um and then at some mm. point I was playing Dungeons, Dungeons and Dragons and there was, a, you know, the vampire in there. And I like learned about all the rules and the powers and weaknesses and whatever from that mostly. But I probably it was just from movies and like, I don't know, I can pretty sure I watched like Interview with a Vampire mm-hmm. and I don't know, yeah, Blade cool. and Underworld. Oh, you started and, right up the Interview with the Vampire, like the total romantic vampire yeah. story. Mm-hmm, wow. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty yep. sure that would have been one of my first vampire movies or whatever, but I, I don't, I don't remember mm-hmm. when I exactly, I, you know, became aware of vampires. Um, oh, okay. But yeah, I don't know. What about you, Clayton? Yeah. I think the first instance was Tales from the Crypt, the animated oh! like TV show. Yeah. Oh yeah. I forgot all about that. Oh, yeah, I, 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 used to, dis- I used to watch that. So maybe that was me too. Yeah. I don't know. I just forgot. Oh man, yeah. Kind of cheesy, corny a little, but it's cool. 
Yeah, like, you saw the representation of the red glowing eyes and the fangs and the pale skin. And for whatever reason, yeah. I'm like, I am really frightened by that. It's like, yeah, whoa, yeah. what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and then and then this might jog your memory. The choose your own adventure books. Yeah. Oh, I, I think I had one of those. Oh my god, I used to get yeah. so many of those because uh, well, my <laughs> grand my grandfather had like a book club thing, and they kept sending him boy books for little boys. Like, oh. yeah, they thought I guess he was. I don't know, like that his sons were younger okay. and he just never canceled the okay. thing or so he kept getting them there and they were for, you know, he'd take some for the church, but he would give me some too. Okay. Oh, okay. And it was cool. So I got to read all these really cool little boy adventure books. Oh, cool. Fun. Yeah. Did you ever like keep your fingers in multiple pages for different outcomes? So you could yeah. go back. <laughs> <laughs> I need more it's fingers. It's kind of like cheating, but you know. Yes. Yeah. We're just like, no, I gotta know. Yeah. 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 That's so funny. I, they should do some more adult books like well, that. So they there mm. is there's a thing that's like that now. Like mm-hmm. I just showed Alethea uh, this game called Detroit Become Human. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, which I got recently when it was on sale, and it's awesome. It's such a nice. good video game. It like really like all the acting in it is really good. Oh, all is the that writing. the one I played with the? Um, where you were the detective? Yeah, and, yeah, with yeah. The, uh, the the hostage situation yeah, yeah i got her to play mm-hmm. the demo the first chapter oh, cool. or whatever yeah it's cool it's cool nice but yeah. it's a really cool uh game where you it's essentially a choose your own adventure where you're going through the story and then there's these pivotal moments where you have to choose like am i going to investigate this or that or like someone's giving me a choice and i have to decide between either dialogue options that then direct a story in a specific way or even like super big things. Like, are you going to save this person's life or are you going to do this other thing mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and it's pretty intense. Anybody that likes choose your own adventure stuff, I <laughs> yeah. definitely recommend checking yeah, out yeah, Detroit yeah. become human. Um, oh, sweet. it's a really cool game and it's also, it's also a really, how can I say this? It's, it's relevant in the cultural and societal times that we're in because the mm. game, even though it's about androids having no rights um, mm. and trying to, you know, gain rights with humans and stuff mm-hmm. is kind of like this huge parallel with like the slavery movement. And there's like actual like underground railroad to bring androids up to Canada to avoid persecution. And like mm. um, they're saying that like, hey, like we're people too and we're equal as you and we're contributing and we just want to have the same rights and it's okay. it's a way to like kind of sneak you into feeling like what it would have been like to be a slave without mm. actually beating you over the head with slavery, uh, slavery story or whatever. Sure. And so before you realize that you're playing this game and you're like, holy shit, like this was a big problem. And you can immediately mm. see like, oh, like oh, I'm cool. playing a robot, but like I can totally see how this greater yeah. story, this greater theme mm-hmm. of like oppression and not being equal and having different mm. rights and everything. And even like they even have like a different section on the bus that the androids have to uh, oh, travel man. in. There's like an Android compartment and there's no androids allowed in like the main compartment and like, you know, uh, stuff yeah. like that. So it's actually a pretty cool story and you can go back and replay it um, mm. over and over again to try to do the, uh, the different uh, plot uh, the different plot choices and stuff and that you have. So it's got a lot of replayability too, which is really cool. Cool. Yes. Yeah, sci-fi is a really great tool for building empathy. Um, 
as you guys know, I'm a huge Star Trek fan, so there's a lot of uh, a lot of stories that are played out having to do with uh, with race, culture, and ethics, and they're told from a sci-fi lens, so a bit removed from our sort of normal reality that we can become accustomed yeah. to and, and numb to. And then you're presented something uh, with kind of similar circumstances. Then you see that, like some of our thoughts, some of our decisions, and some of our judgments are entirely arbitrary from any kind of you know value judgment way and they've actually been imposed for reasons having to do with um trying to uh yeah enslave a different culture or a different species and it's like oh man okay and then you 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 feel it you actually go through that process of of healing and, and recognizing so yeah sci-fi is a wonderful tool for that especially star trek star trek had so many like moral lessons mm-hmm. and uh situations and stuff like that where they were trying to show as like an evolved civilization that they were going to use you know the power of speaking and negotiation as opposed to violence whenever possible and yeah totally you know, pretty cool totally and there's one there's one episode of, of star trek next generation called the masterpiece society and this is going to be a spoiler but it'll just show you like how brilliant star trek is um so people who don't know star trek basically there's uh there's a federation that has a star fleet and it's not it's not based upon a focus of military it's based upon like exploration discovery and building community with other worlds out there and so they stumble upon this planet when they're uh, and they're out exploring the galaxy and it's this society that is completely genetically engineered everyone's role is predetermined there is nothing that is wrong with them. Uh, there's no medical conditions. There's no psychological conflict. However, their planet is going to be destroyed and they have no way of helping themselves. And it turns out that um, one of the characters on uh, The Next Generation, the engineer, played by LeVar Burton, Geordie LaForge, he's been blind since birth and he has to wear this device called a visor. And it turns out that the technology in his visor is something that allows them to then save the planet. So a technology created for a blind man is what allows this otherwise perfect society to survive. Cool. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. wild. Yeah, yeah. So it's like really like, yeah, it shows you like the cost of perfection, quote unquote. Since we're talking about uh, sci-fi and stuff, uh, do you want to talk about vampire numbers? Yeah, sure. It's kind uh, of a tangent, but yeah, it's a good tangent. Thanks, thanks for bringing it back. I appreciate it. <laughs> I, I I'm a bit more excited by this than than Phil. Um, but I just so, don't think it's as spooky. I, I I thought it was cool from a mathematical perspective, but I didn't yeah. feel like it was as spooky. But Alethea can be the final uh, judge, I guess. Okay, okay. Well, what are you talking about? <laughs> okay, okay. So it's a, it's a mathematical principle. Okay. Uh, coined by a computer scientist named Clifford A. Pickover uh, to, <laughs> to describe numbers that are subtly hidden from our view, just as vampires walk amongst mere mortals in science fiction novels. Um, there's a bit of a complicated uh, way to to describe it using mathematical terms, but I'll, I'll just say that, for instance, the number uh, 1,260... Uh, its multiplication factors can be 21 and 60. So that all four digits of this four-digit number can be separated into two uh, factors, 
um, that all the numbers are contained in both of these factors, if that makes any sense. So like uh, you said 1,260? Yeah. Yeah. So then you've got 21 and 60. So like when you rearrange the numbers, it makes the original number. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the factors of the number can be, are identical as the number itself. Exactly. And this guy uh, used to work for IBM and he had a penchant for the occult. Um, okay. The occult simply means hidden aspects. It doesn't mean dark. Yeah. We think yeah. about occult as dark, but no. And uh, his other book is called Sex, Drugs, Einstein, and Elves, Sushi, <laughs> Psychedelics, Parallel Universes, and the Quest for Transcendence. Uh, yeah, that's pretty wild. <laughs> that sounds like a pretty interesting read. Yeah. Yeah, that's not too bad. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it's 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 cool because... Um, I remember when I was learning math in high school, well, specifically like more advanced math and it is weird. Like it almost seems like magic or weird coincidence how like a certain numbers can like, you know, mm-hmm. you can transform them in such a way and then they all, it all like comes back together in this perfect way. Oh yeah. And, like, you know, like, like nine times nine, eight plus one is nine, nine times seven, six plus three is nine, you know, 63. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you know about that one. I, I don't know. You were saying it really fast and I didn't, I didn't follow. Sorry. I was, I was reproducing the way that I heard it probably oh, okay. from like a PBS show or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry about that. I've been programmed. So you could take any, uh, you can multiply nine by anything. And then the number that gives, if you add up the digits, it will always come back to nine. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah I learned the trick yeah. with when you, when you count on your fingers and you go like one below and one above or, you know, uh, no, I don't know. I've never heard that. Like, uh, like nine times two right? Mm-hmm. Would, would be your second finger. So then you have one finger before and then you've got eight fingers after. So that would be 18. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Right? That's one, incredibly complicated. Ex- like, no, but you could do it on your hands. So you could do like uh, nine times nine. That's, you have eight fingers before and one finger after. That's 81. That's wow. something you were taught as a child? Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit, man. That seems like really complicated for, for nothing. Like, well, but you just have to look at your hand and oh you can immediately, God. if you don't have the multiplication table memorized, you can always, I, you have your yeah. cheat sheet right there on your hands, guess, you know? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. So like what, nine times five. Yeah. That's funny. Say it. 45. What is it? 45. Yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't know you wanted me to say it. Yeah, I was see, just busy I was washing getting, my hands. I was showing you I the cheat sheet. I was just like sheet. imagining like multiple people doing this. <laughs> like on the street and stuff, you know, every time instead of just saying a number, they're like doing all this. Oh, yeah. That'd be sweet if you had like an abacus built into your hand or <laughs> what whatever. What are they doing? Math. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, it's cool. The way it all comes together. Anyways, mm. um, I'm really glad that we had the chance to talk about vampires and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I had a really, you know, yeah. you made me think of so many things that I wouldn't have thought of otherwise. Um, oh, cool. I think that really, uh, you know, helped us explore different ideas and things. Totally. And, yeah. And um, I'm still scared of vampires. And you, you really, I think you like True Blood. I really do because Ooh, it's yeah. got the little romantic <laughs> part that you like, okay. and there's funny, but also it's just the fact that they're not all inherently bad. There's like classism mm. in it, and then there's also mm-hmm. the whole like people trying to make money off of it, and then there's like the legal uh, volunteering of being somebody's, you know. 
walking <laughs> blood supply. Like, sorry. Oh my, yeah. You yeah. know, it, it's just, I think you really <laughs> like it. It's just completely, and then they bring in fairies and they bring, like they bring in wolves and, <laughs> okay. you know, they got the shape-shifting going on uh, and stuff, but they do like pay, hmm. you know, some kind of uh, homage to that, those other little genres okay, that are out cool, there cool. too. Yeah. I mean, that sounds interesting. I'd, yeah. be, I'd be down to check it out. Yeah. Why not? That could be like one of our next shows to watch. And there's yeah, one. I would totally rewatch that again. Yeah. yeah. And there's one really, really short film from the National Film Board. It's Canadian. It's an animation and uh, it's beautiful, beautiful animation. Uh, and basically it's a voiceover of Christopher Plummer, the wonderful Shakespearean actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's basically telling the story of being a boy vampire and how it makes him different and how he feels isolated. And it's like a black and white, mostly animation, all hand-drawn. And uh, yeah, it's a Canadian National Film Board uh, thing. You can find that on Amazon Prime. Yeah, I was, I'm like, that it's, story uh, sounds familiar. I'm wondering if I didn't see yeah, it. What's it called? Yeah, it's, I think it's called Kali, K-A-L-I, The Little Vampire. Okay, cool, cool. So yeah, yeah, everybody check that out on Amazon Prime, I guess. Yeah. Or find it in more unscrupulous Oh, oh my goodness. Google, geez. we activated Google. Somehow. Oh no. Well, I mean, if it's, it's on the me. national I'm not I'm not even If it's on the National Film Board, you could probably see it on, you know, actually the Na- National Film Board. And okay. uh I, I believe it's um, Oh yeah. Yeah, you see it there? Wait now. This can't yeah. be it because no, this one is um Anyway, we'll check it out. Yeah. Everybody can check it out. Um, I think this is a little kid. And the, the name of the director, I believe, and the creator is Regina Pessoa. I'm assuming that's a woman. So it's nice to have vampire content from a, a woman. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I was surprised. Lacey was talking the other day about um, how she was looking for uh, female horror authors or something and oh, how it's yeah. like a totally male dominated genre for the most part. And I, mm-hmm. I, I never even thought about that before. And I was like, wow, it's true. Like, so it's good to support all kinds of varied. And also you get like a mm-hmm. different uh, perspective on a lot of stuff sometimes, you know, well, I yeah. mean, between different people, but like between different genders, they have different perspectives on, on things and it can open your mind. Like our, we had tried to start a book club on episode one and oh I finally Lord. did finish our book club book. Alethea hasn't read it yet, but um, hmm. it's called the left hand of darkness about mm-hmm. uh, oh. where this, um, this humanoid person goes, has a federation of planets and he Ooh. travels to a planet that's super far away where it's like super cold. And he's basically just shows up as a single outsider to not intimidate them, to tell them like, Hey, there's other people in the universe and we want you to join our federation, but like at your mm-hmm. own pace and you know, we're not here to, we, we're not here to threaten you. So we sent one person right? and nobody wow. believes them. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> and it's like this weird story, but like the, the, the whole cool part about it is that on this planet, genders don't exist. There's only one gender oh. and like once a month you, you basically have like this moment where you either become female or male mm. and you can, you can hold both genders inside of you. And the rest of the time you're like this genderless person and how, and like you might think a million things about that right now, but in the book it really shows how not having those gender roles really shapes society in a completely different way. Mm-hmm. Mm, and I think yeah. it really took a woman to write that story in order to really, you know, capture oh, that. Great. So 
just and just in that mm-hmm. sense, it can be really interesting to see what a female director or writer uh, and how their movie about a vampire would be different from like a male's idea mm. of vampires and stuff like that too. And in, in any other topic too. So, yeah. And, and hopefully it would help to curb back the intertwining of sexuality with violence because, you know, when, when Alethea was saying that you weren't really afraid when the vampire was mm-hmm. biting the victim because it's intertwined with sexuality. I think that, you know, that's part programming. We're getting conditioned into being numbed and even sexualizing um, violence through the vampire myth and media. Mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's there's the voluptuousness, the passion, the allure and all that and the hunting. But at the same time, if we think about the other parts of us that want to be conscious of our actions and of the uh, impacts of what we expose our minds to when we're trying to figure out our own place in society and try to make the world a better place you know i think it's good to just add a a bit of sunlight from the heart um to really check in with you know what we want to let ourselves become Mm. that's an awesome thought i really like that and uh sorry i was trying to say well said (laughs) oh yeah well said i know you got to get going so uh do you have a song pick real quick for this episode yeah for some reason um Oh yeah, yeah. You, 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 okay. It's funny because I, I come from a classical background and this is a chance to introduce people to uh, the classical music. I, I like being an ambassador for that too. Um, this is complicated, but look up uh, Bach, you know, J.J.S. Bach, B mm-hmm. minor mass or mass in B minor. Um, and there's a movement called um, Cum Sancto Spiritum and it's basically C-U-M S-A-N-C-T-U-M-S-P-I-R-I-T-U-M. Still doing okay. And for me, it's like one of the most glorious, uh, just batshit insane displays of of joy. And it's, okay. with, Baroque or- oh, it's with Baroque Orchestra and Choir. Um, and if you've never heard classical music before, try that on for size. Yeah, now I totally want to go listen to that right after. Okay, cool. cool. Yeah, I will yeah. find it. Hopefully on Spotify and put it on our playlist. But if yeah. not, then everybody else should just go find it where you can find it. Oh, and um, and just try to see if there's a version by uh, Collegium Japan. Okay. Like that's one version that would definitely knock your socks off. Um, okay. Yeah, if it's if it's pretty, I don't know. I find Spotify good for having stuff like that on it. Oh like, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I don't think yeah. it'll be a problem. What do you yeah. got, Alethea? Um, yeah, I'm going sort of electronic route here. Okay, <laughs> nice. Uh, Uncle and Richard uh, Richard Ashcroft. Oh, cool. Lonely I haven't listened soul. to Uncle in a while. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Lon- lonely soul. Lonely soul. Yeah. Mm. Okay, cool. I'm going to go back to camp. Uh, sorry, I mean the band camp, C-A-A-M-P. Uh, I don't know. I've been listening to them a lot lately. I got a camp song on the uh, original Happy Poopers playlist, uh, All the Debts I Owe, but I'm going to go with Vagabond for the cozy playlist because I really like it. It's a good folksy tune and I could totally see someone skilled like maybe Clayton uh, with (laughs) a guitar uh, around the campground uh, campfire and uh, play that song. I think it'd be really good. So. Oh man, that's a nice. I was lucky that growing up I did know Clayton and we could bring him camping and we'd always have (laughs) music and stuff so yeah. that's cool yeah so many great uh, camping memories oh man cool well um 
super happy to have you on the podcast, Clayton. Thank you for giving us your time. Yeah, thank and you so much. I'm oh, sure a- maybe we can do it again next time. We'll do like zombies or something. So Sure. Yeah, man. yeah that would be super <laughs> great. Thanks a lot. And uh, can't wait to, uh, yeah, can't wait to hear what it sounds like. <laughs> Okay, cool. If you uh, if you didn't hear part one of this episode, go back and listen to part one. At the mm-hmm. end of uh, the part one episode, you're going to hear Clayton's awesome song, Castle. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to post it in the show notes, uh, a link to that, so you can go check that out um, if you missed it in part one. So go check that out. Sweet.